0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale Of yon Macool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail From giants right down to fairies, above the drooping and solitary And most of are sometimes scary Anything goes by the fireside Chris Weaver For Chris Curran Weave era through fire with golden thread Before the soul departs the rookery And turns to seal or gull A woven sash must reappear The Chris must be returned Mine was no fisherman But he is welcome in fiddler's green he kept the lore with Chris for belt. To him I was Attila. What was he to me before the Chris was returned? He was Geppetto's guiding hand as my little wooden head looked up. A memory so strong I question if it too is a woven imitation of the Chris to be returned. A mock memory with a thread of truth, While familiars wear leather of him. But I share his post, And pints with those who still remember, And I wear the chris that was returned. It is paddywhackery from a bloated locker soul, But with every yarn spun I pull that chris tight i held your hand and still follow your feet over nine atlantic waves i wear the chris of chris the chris that has returned hello and welcome to fireside the irish storytelling podcast Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan, I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 153 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have uh, the folklore and the stories of the seal and the badger, as we explore a poem from my upcoming collection, Garden Sea, that you just heard there, Chris Weaver. Uh, But first, a very big welcome to all new and returning listeners, if this is your first episode... Why don't you head back to the very beginning, over 150 episodes, three years worth of podcasts out there to listen to and see what we've been building up to on the journey of Fireside thus far. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. Please do follow me over on Instagram if you have not done so already, at Fireside Bard. It's the best place to get in touch with me. Email me at firesidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media, um. Please do, in the description now, if you can pre-order my book, Garden Sea, my collection of poetry, my Neo-Myth of Home, uh, which was coming out this Friday, December 10th. Pre-orders are still available. Uh, get them while you can. And I'm very excited for the launch. Regrettably, the live show uh, of Fireside Live, our three-year anniversary, has had to be postponed until... February 3rd, Thursday, February 3rd, 22, this is to keep in line with the latest incredibly frustrating governmental restrictions here in Ireland. Ireland has had more uh, restrictions imposed upon us uh, to deal with the rising cases and the new variant, and it's really, it's it's really bleak out there again, it's been a really not nice couple of weeks we started to After the entertainment industry has only been back open in Ireland for four weeks, it has already been the first to close back down again. It's been incredibly unclear and incredibly disappointing and a lot of work has begun to be lost again. And it's just not looking too bright out there. But we still soldier on. We have decided that because the current restrictions are that uh, we can only have 50% capacity inside at indoor events, which is not... Feasible um for this live show as the podcast studios is an intimate space already and also we had sold over 50% capacity and I wasn't going to be uh, telling people who had bought tickets that they couldn't come and picking and choosing based on any kind of metrics so I would rather wait until we can have a fully open full capacity 100% sold out show. Uh, So I decided to leave it until after January when everyone is usually uh, not off the drink and not really spending money and staying inside and also just to give the restrictions time to open back up totally. So Thursday the 3rd of February. Uh, If you have tickets already you've already been emailed about this you've been given the option to refund although I hope that you can still join us. Um, if you hadn't tickets already and couldn't make that show, then hopefully you can make the new date. So book them while they can. The description, the link is still in the description below. Um, and if you can't make it to either, um, you can always pre-order the book. We are still launching the book this Friday, hoping to do something for it, uh, to tie it all together, uh, very soon as well. Uh, it's one thing that the at least the government restrictions can't stop me from releasing the book. That is. That is one of, definitely one of the reasons I went down the, the publication route because after two years of, of no gigs and uh, no live performance and still even this year had losing more and more gigs that were rescheduled, uh, it is really nice knowing that there is a little piece that I can send out to all of you that can't be taken away from any of you. Uh, so there's that and of course... She's is long, a lot of, lot of links in the description below. But finally, if you do want to support the podcast, you can always do so over at headstuffpodcast.com where you can join Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month. We can get advanced ticket sales to the show, uh, to the book, uh, to lots of bonus episodes for not just Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. All of those links are in the bio for this episode below. The story for this episode, so this is the third of my four episodes exploring poems from Garden Sea and the folklore and the mythology that has inspired so much of the collection. This piece is actually dedicated to my grandfather. It was called Chris Weaver, it's what you heard at the beginning. And it was inspired immensely by a huge amount of folklore surrounding the seal. And as I've kind of done pairs, with there's my fell my iPod. And as I've been uh, pairing these animals up, I decided to pair it with a badger, which is not an animal you would often see paired with a seal. But because this is a piece about my grandfather, and my grandfather voiced the badger on the Irish adaptation of The Animals of Farthing Wood, so this was an animal that I associated very closely with him. There's another piece in the collection about this as well. Uh, But this is... uh, we'll chat a bit more afterwards but this is some of the folklore and the storytelling of the seal and of uh, of folklore of the sea on fireside the seal this is no folklore but a true tale and don't all folk tales begin with a kernel of truth But if you walk down the South Quay of Wicklow Town and come to where the fish restaurant is, bobbing up and down waiting to be fed, you will usually find a grey seal known as Sammy, Sammy the Seal. Sammy the Seal comes to the same spot on the quays as the Vartry River joins the Irish Sea and he waits to be fed. The fish shop man has often described Sammy as his best friend. But the years of being pampered and fed and being Wicklow's biggest celebrity since Captain Robert Halpin laid the first telephone cables across the Atlantic Ocean has taken its toll on Sammy. He's big and probably unable to defend himself in the wild. He disappeared for a while there and now it's often wondered, is it even the same Sammy anymore? Or is it some new seal? And is that seal the former soul of a dead fisherman? For that was the most commonly held Irish folk belief regarding the seal, or roan, as it is in Irish. That they were the souls of the dead at sea, returning in seal form. Some believed that seals were the humans who had not been invited aboard Noah's Ark. And then, of course, there were the silkies, the seal people, who swam as seals by day but came ashore at night, stripped of their seal skins and sang and danced on the beaches and cliff edges. One story tells of a young man who fell in love with a silky as he watched her dance in human form. The man was terrified that his new love would leave him in the morning, so he stole her seal skin and hid it from sight. The plan worked, and the girl soon forgot that she had ever been a seal. She settled down with the young man, and they had three children. But one morning, the youngest child was rooting around in the attic, and he found a strange and oily mound. The boy took the curious lump downstairs and he asked his mother what it was. The woman gazed at the seal skin that had once been her own and she suddenly was flooded with the memories of her people and her pre-human life. She began to weep and the salt in her tears were too much of a pull to the sea to resist. She kissed her three children goodbye went to the coast put back on her former skin and never returned to land and never returned to her family ever again it was also believed that if someone in a coastal town could never sleep day or night they were descended from the seals despite these beliefs The seal was an integral part of the Irish diet. They were eaten for their meat, and their oily fat was considered a great cure for muscle and joint pain. But because of their friendly, dog-like appearance and human-like, mournful cry, the hunting of seals often made the Irish uneasy so more curses and cautionary tales began to crop up. Like one man who killed a seal and then had his two children born with clawed and webbed hands of the animal he had slaughtered. And talking of half-man, half-sea creatures... Another belief was that seals were the drowned sons of Balor of the Evil Eye, the mighty king of the Fomorians, the sea creature race of giants, and sworn enemies of the Tuatha de Danann. In the north of Ireland, some believed that seals were specifically transformed Scotsmen. There was a hunting party of three men who cornered a bull seal. By the way, a male seal is a bull, a female is a cow, a baby as a pup, and they all grouped together in a rookery, in a herd. So these men cornered a bull seal in his rookery and began to club it to death. But the seal suddenly cried out, "Macrory! Macrory! Macrory, please stop!" The men became terrified of this talking seal and ran away. A few months later, the same three men sailed over to Scotland and ended up lodging with a fisherman who lived on the Scottish coast. The fisherman had a bloodied bandage wrapped around his head. MacRory asked, "'Can I ask, friend, how did you get that terrible head wound?' The fisherman frowned. "'Can you not recognize your own handiwork, McRory?' Now you and your friends had better leave Scotland at once before my people get their revenge. MacRory and his friends rapidly left the house, the village, and the country. And they never hunted seals again. The two species of seal in Ireland are the common seal and the grey seal. Ironically, the common seal is far less common now than it once was. The easiest way to tell the two apart is that the common seal looks more like a dog with a friendly face and upturned nose and whiskers. The grey seal has a long snout and what's called a Roman nose. But when Irish fishermen drowned, if their souls did not become seals and their bodies were indeed retrieved, there was one specific way to identify them. And that was with a chris. A chris was a woven sash belt. It was woven specifically with a family's own pattern and colors. This ensured that if the soul was lost and the body found, even if it had become bloated and swollen from days in the sea, the person could still be identified by their chris. But where did their souls go? The souls of these fishermen. Well, if they had served at least 50 years at sea, it was said they went to a place called Fiddler's Green. An afterlife just for sailors. A place of eternal happiness, where a fiddle is always playing and dancers never tire. It's the subject of one of the great shanties of the folk song tradition. Wrap me up in me oilskins and jumpers. No more on the docks, I'll be seen. Just tell me, old shipmates, I'm taking a trip, mates, and I'll see you someday on Fiddler's Green. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Phoning It In is back. Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. Think, Joe Duffy meets your favourite Irish comedians. Our first episode back is already out and features the young hot guys, Tony Cantwell, Shane Dan Byrne and Killian Sunderman. This season we'll also have lots of bonus material available on Headstuff Plus, including new improv-style games with all your favourite guests. Phoning It In is available every fortnight, wherever you get your podcasts and on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks for listening. And that is some of the folklore and the storytelling of The Seal on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. You really, I really, really like a lot of this stuff. Um, let's go through some of it here. So, yeah, starting off with uh, Sammy The Seal. I don't know if I've ever talked about Sammy on uh, on Fireside before. But yes, he is uh, my hometown celebrity. He's been around for, for a number of years now. Although, like I said, we're uh, not so sure anymore if it is the same Sammy. It seems to be a similar situation as Fungi in Dingle, uh, in County Kerry, uh, where there, where Fungi has been around for many, many years, thirty, forty years, I think, longer. I don't. I'm not a marine biologist, but I think longer than, uh, than he probably should be if he is the same seal. But howsomever, he may be, and Sammy may be the same lad as well, but he's become so pampered and fed by. Uh, by good quality fish that he hasn't had to hunt himself it's thought that he probably wouldn't survive well out in the wild and then he probably wouldn't be as welcome with his uh rookery his herd of seals there is an incredible rookery of seals uh in wicklow town as well which i only discovered i think last year uh it's a conservation area so you can't get too close to it um, but you can look over the cliffs at them all sleeping on the beach and it's an incredible incredible sight uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful animal. And like many, yeah, it's the same with the seagull, with which we will explore a bit uh, next week as well, with next week's poem. But this idea of the seals being the souls of the dead, specifically, I think a lot of it, those who died at sea, naturally. And you have this, first of all, this great tale, this tale of a silky, um, which was this race of seal people who were uh, seals by day and humans by night? And if anyone has read uh, Neil Gaiman's book *American Gods*, uh, which naturally draws immensely from folklore and mythology, there is a whole story. Um, he does these series of mid mid chapter tales called "Somewhere in America," I think is what they're called, and they're basically the origin stories for how each of the gods and how the the, myth- the mythologies and the folklores from each different country ended up in America. And the one for Ireland um, is related to the silkies and in how in the Irish first coming over to America in the series, it's changed somewhat uh, where they just make it for the leprechauns because of course that's just the short term that they constantly do for the Irish. I do have quite a soft spot for the actor who plays uh who plays Mad King Sweeney as a leprechaun in uh in the in American Gods. He can't do an Irish accent for shit. Um his his accent is a hate crime. But I still do quite like him. He's the actor who played Nikki Sabotka in the wire. Um I can't think of his name right now, and he probably wouldn't mind that too much if I'm criticizing his performance that much. But like I said, I do kind of still have a soft spot for him. His Irish accents are so bad in so many things, uh, but he still sells it. At least it's an interesting series. It's an interesting book. I mean, I've never I've, I've talked about it before. Where I'm not sure if I totally love the book either as much as I love Neil Gaiman as a writer. It is a lot, uh, but I'm really glad that it exists. But that's a direct But that's the probably the most popular account of uh, silkie's of the seal people that I've that I've read of before. And um, all of this comes from Niall McQuitor's book on uh, on Irish animals and the folklore and mythology associated with them. And so that leads on leads on to the Chris then the Chris, which I've surely talked about in this podcast before, which is a sash woven belt, which as I said, has uh, had a family's patterns. Uh, sewn into them woven into them uh much like a family's tartan and they would be wrapped in the, they would tie them as a little belt and if they'd round at sea and if they were then unrecognizable when they eventually drifted to shore or were rescued from the sea it, they could be identified by the family chris and my grandfather had a chris that was he wore as part of his costume when he was a Shanachee in Jory's Irish Cabaret for years and years. And a number of years ago, this fell into my possession. And it's an incredibly, incredibly important thing for me. I take it with me everywhere I go around the world. Um, I wear it at gigs all the time. And it's very important to me. And I really like this idea of the Chris culture. So that's where this poem, Chris Weaver, came from. This idea of weaving uh, this this folklore of of the seals and the silkies with this idea of the, the souls and the chris, the chris being the, the way to identify these bodies. And then mixed in a little bit of Fiddler's Green as well, where, because even though my grandfather was no fisherman, uh, he was an entertainer, as he was a storyteller and he sang the folklore and sang these folk songs, still feel he'd be welcome in Fiddler's Green uh, because he probably sang that shanty, sang that song, Fiddler's Green, as it is a very popular one. Um, before I go and before I read Chris Weaver again, I want to read a little bit about uh, the folklore of the badger because as I said the badger is another animal that I would associate very closely with my grandfather. So the badger is a strange one. It's a solitary and prickly creature. They aren't liked by farmers because they apparently give cows tuberculosis. It was thought that the badger was a descendant from the pigs that were first brought to Ireland by the Vikings. This extends to another belief that there are two kinds of badger. There's a pig badger and a dog badger. I believe it's the flesh of the pig badger that was considered somewhat of a delicacy, but the meat of the dog badger was chewy and vile. Some folk zoology on the badger is wonderful, uh, and I would love to see either of these two things happen. Uh, One belief was that when a badger wanted to get somewhere faster, he would tuck his heads between his legs, grab hold of his tail with his jaws, and then roll down the hill in the form of a furry ball, like a big TB-ridden hedgehog. The chronicler of Ireland, Gerald of Wales, who came over uh, just before, or around the time of Henry the Second, during the time of the Norman conquest of Ireland, uh, Gerald of Wales claims to have seen a very peculiar way in which badgers cleaned out their sets, we'll hear this, which was where one badger would lie on their back and scoop dirt onto their tummy, they would then bite down on a wooden stick, then another badger, their mate or their friend or whatever, would come along and bite the other end and drag both the badger and the dirt they were carrying away from the set. And as much as I would love to see that feat and take Gerald as his world, uh, at his word, that same Gerald of Wales uh, once described the Irish as a race that was inconstant, changeable, wily and cunning. So... Uh, we needn't totally take Gerald of Wales at his word. So there wasn't, uh, there wasn't quite as much on the badger as, uh, as there had been for the fox or the seal or for the blackbird and the eagle last week. But I still wanted to have a little dip in that because I just love, 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 love those two pieces. Particularly this this image of, uh, of a badger biting its own tail and rolling itself into a ball like Sonic the Hedgehog or Stitch from Lilo and Stitch. There was a moment where he does that uh, And just An actual account Like Gerald, Gerald of Wales' account of, of, of Ireland His topography of Ireland is I don't know how much of a historical document it's, it's considered to be But it's not written as fantasy It is written as fact And he describes Watching a badger Use itself as a wheelbarrow And then have another badger Wheel it out which was too much not not to include, um, and that, as I said, is an animal that I was associated with, with my grandfather, and with this poem was dedicated to him, through the chris and through the seal, and so a little bit of the badger as well. So I'll rip, we'll wrap things up there, folks. But next week we will have the final of the four episodes uh, on. Uh, On the poems of Garden Sea. There are many, many more. There are 59 in the book in total. I hope you're enjoying exploring this because it is really nice exploring some of this folklore that are little, just mini tales that wouldn't be enough to make their own episodes. Um, but I am really enjoying exploring because these these uh, books on Ireland's animals and the folklore and mythology associated with them are wonderful. I highly recommend them. If I can get links, links to them, I'll lash I'll them in the description below as well. And uh, Next week's poem is one uh, I really, really like. It's a ballad that I wrote uh, called The Oyster Catcher's Loss, which is naturally about the folklore of the oyster catcher and also of their dreaded enemy, the seagull. Uh, That will all be to come next year. So you can still pre-order Garden Sea. You can get it on Kindle, on Amazon, or you can order the physical copy, which we deliver anywhere in the world. Uh, You can order that from theheadstuff.org. Link's in the description below. Uh, Follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Order tickets for the now rescheduled Fireside Live show, which is now on Thursday, February February 3rd at... uh, 7pm in the podcast studios in Dublin. Uh, Join Headstuff Plus for as little as five euro a month. Uh, Gain access to bonus material and lots of other stuff for not just Fireside, but for all the podcasts and the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. But I'm going to leave you with another reading of Chris Weaver. Chris Weaver. Or Chris Curran Weave era through fire with golden thread Before the soul departs the rookery And turns to seal or gull A woven sash must reappear The Chris must be returned Mine was no fisherman But he is welcome in fiddler's green He kept the lore with Chris for belt To him I was Attila, what was he to me before the Chris was returned. He was Geppetto's guiding hand, as my little wooden head looked up. A memory so strong I question if it too is a woven imitation of the Chris to be returned. A mock memory with a thread of truth, while familiars wear leather of him. But I share his post, and pints with those who still remember, and I wear the Chris that was returned. It is paddy wackery from a bloated locker soul, but with every yarn spun I pull that Chris tight. I held your hand and still follow your feet. Over nine Atlantic waves I wear the Chris of Chris the Chris that has returned. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com